politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight as if our lives are on the line, which they certainly are in this depraved world. We are back here today, Tuesday. It is the 17th of October, and we got a lot to talk about. Uh, You know, the point of a government is to stop barbarism, barbarians, from coming into your society. And yet we have a government that, as we talked about yesterday, not only lets them in, but sides with them abroad. So we're going to give this vision that we've been lacking that eschews this false choice on foreign policy between being a pacifist or sometimes even on the side of terrible terrorists as is creeping in in some voices on the right joining with the the entire left versus the neocons which you know everything they do is counterproductive to our interests also counterproductive to Israel's interests we need not turn Israel into a client state we need not have troops on the ground all we need to do is apply the Hippocratic Oath of Foreign Policy, first do no harm. The Biden administration is hugging Israel to death now, um, and that's what we're going to talk about with our special guests coming up. Uh, but first, I want to kind of set the table here as well as start off just with a, a brief update on the speaker's race. Of course, you know we're recording just an hour before they're going to vote, so there's no point speculating We'll talk about this in depth tomorrow where we're headed. Um, But for now, we just have to recognize that, look, Jordan will unlikely, he's unlikely to get the votes on the first uh, ballot. You're going to have the rhinos try to do what what the conservatives did, uh, maybe five to ten of them block him. My concern to watch out for is, are we going to have a reverse dynamic from January, whereby... It's a conservative-ish speaker, but he has to basically give the farm away to the Rhino Caucus and be controlled by them in order to pick off their votes, the exact opposite of what McCarthy was forced to do. And if that's the case, was this whole thing even worth it? And that's what I question. But look, we got to make it work, unite, have a budget fight on the core issues of the Biden administration supporting terrorism. Yes, we have a government, the same government that tried to kill us, the same government that opens our borders, the same government that promoted BLM, the same government that persecutes political opponents. They are allying with Iran, Qatar, Hamas, Turkey, Hezbollah, and kneecapping Israel in their darkest hour. Yes, 1,400 Jews being slaughtered in the most horrific way imaginable is not enough. It's obviously not enough to change policy. We thought it would, but clearly it has not. Um, Our first sponsor today is The Wellness Company. What's The Wellness Company? It is a lot of the doctors that we have had on this show uh, giving independent counsel, parallel economy on medicine. Most Most of you guys don't trust hospitals, and I don't blame you. So what the wellness company has done, and by the way, you could find them twc.health, twc.health slash Daniel. And they have a bunch of telehealth services that they provide, but they also have a medical emergency kit. 
that provides you with antiparasitics, antivirals, antibiotics that you could have on hand. Use promo code Daniel for 10% off. Again, it's time to take control of your health and stay one step ahead of the Fourth Reich at twc.health slash Daniel, promo code Daniel for 10% off. So here we are, just like we talked about yesterday, letting the barbarians into your country. There was another terrorist attack in Brussels, Belgium. 45-year-old uh, Abdesalam Lasoued, a Tunisian national, came to Belgium illegally. And he was riding on a scooter with an AK-47, and he killed at least two people before he was caught. So we got that. We got uh, there was an attempted terror attack on a synagogue in Italy. Italy, uh, where is this? Can't find the story in my stack here. But uh, no, no one was injured in the end. But the guy yelled Allah Akbar and tried to do his thing. So this is this is everywhere. Again, the fight is everywhere. Um, it is it is a big problem in Europe. It's a big problem here. And yet, and yet, Nikki Haley gets up there yesterday, and she was asked on one of these shows, one of the networks, hey, uh, do you agree with DeSantis' statement that we shouldn't let in a single uh, Gaza-Palestinian Arab to America? And she's like, no, no, we, we have a way of vetting the good from the bad. And again, that's a reminder of the fact that at an elected level, the Republican Party, despite everything we've gone through, has not fundamentally changed. Most Republicans still support the strategy of invade the world, invite the world. That is literally Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is the embodiment of the decrepit neocon Republican policy for 20 years. And ironically, people like her are also responsible for a resurgence on the right of this almost like reactionary pacifism in response to it. So they're both problematic, but I, I I place the blame squarely on her shoulder because a lot of people have fatigue, so they don't want to deal with anything foreign policy. Like, I don't care about anything. I, I don't know. I don't want Israel drawing us into a war. All these false choices. But make no mistake, Nikki Haley has the exact opposite policies. She believes we need to painfully involve ourselves in Islamic civil wars, take in refugees from both sides. And it's unbelievable. That is certainly not America first. It's not pro-Israel. It actually is rooted, ironically, in the same naivety of the left regarding Israel that somehow the Palestinian people are just so amazing. And, and by the way, the juxtaposition that at the same time Haley was saying we need to take in these dudes, King Abdullah of Jordan was like, he said in Arabic, this is my red line, not a single one. He sounded exactly like DeSantis. I mean, and he said, and he said he spoke for Sisi in Egypt. He said not in Egypt either. Pretty unbelievable if you think about it. That the Muslim nation state leaders don't want them, but the West, even Republican leaders, even during a primary, during a primary when Nikki Haley is the most to the right, that is her kind of natural habitat. That's her first language. That's her first intuition. Not just any Muslims, but the most radical civilization 
probably in all of humanity. I mean, make no mistake about it. This is the most disgusting, vile society where they imbue in the mother's milk in the education system genocidal thoughts. We're going to bring them in? Are you kidding me? I will personally lead citizens' posses with our ARs and whatever weapons we have to our border to ensure that none of them come up through the Darien Gap. That is some, That is a hill worth dying on. You let those people in, you're done. <laughs> Which is why the Muslim countries want no part of them. But this is Nikki Haley. Now, obviously it looks like she read the room afterwards and kind of backed down and just said, I never said that. <laughs> no, we shouldn't let them in. Okay, whatever. But again, th- this is where most Republicans are. And, and, and this is my concern, that the, the more Republicans are stupid with the neocon stuff, that they give the impression that they care about foreign entanglements more than America, and then we'll bring in the problems here, the more people rightfully are annoyed about them, but then the more the only option we have on the right is a mindless reactionary pacifism, which I agree with a lot of their diagnosis, most of it, and even a lot of what they're saying, but then they just venture off into pro-Palestinian crap, which, which comes full circle endorsing the left. And that's why we're here to give an affirmative vision. This is what we're lacking. But on that front, with the so-called Palestinians, so Biden's starting to talk about, oh, we need to isolate. He actually used the word extreme elements of Hamas. Watch that. Extreme elements of Hamas. So really, everyone's good. You could just knock off a couple of uh, Hamas leaders. That, you know, the rest of them are good. And, and, and then certainly Fatah, which is the PLO, they're awesome. They're the moderates, the ones that control Judea and Samaria, illegally occupying, illegal Arab occupation of Judea and Samaria. But I got news for you. They're the same thing. On Maidin TV in Lebanon a couple days ago, October 14th, senior Fatah official Abbas Zaki thanked Hamas for the attacks on Israel. He threatened to crush the skulls of all Jews and Americans in the region. Um, And he said, we're ready to repeat the attack in the West Bank. So there you go with that. And also the PA is paying over $2.7 million as a reward to the families of the terrorists who were killed while infiltrating Israel and killing Jews. Um, again, that is the U.S. funded and will continue to fund the PA. The Biden administration will continue to fund them. So your taxpayer dollars are going to fund this. Again, it's no different than pharma. It's kind of like, you know what Pfizer and Moderna are doing creating the vaccines that create all these heart elements and then they'll come in with heart medications. It's the same thing with the Middle East. You don't need to be like slobber over Israel, care about Israel more than you care about America. Nothing to do with that. You just need to stop funding and supporting the alliances and funding and powers that are kneecapping them and created this problem. It's a false choice between, oh, we just like neoconize, Ukrainize Israel versus screw them, the Palestinian civilians. Like, no, actually, you're siding with Biden. It's just you unwind the Biden policies 
And I want to go through that, you know, a little bit here. But uh, just understand, no to American soldiers there. No to kind of a blank check. You know, people will debate gray areas of how much you want to fund weapons, what they need, what they don't need. But the most important thing is, very simply, no funding Hamas. And yes, that means humanitarian aid. That means humanitarian aid. That's funding the Hamas war machine. No funding the PLO and the so-called West Bank. No funding the Lebanese armed forces. Obviously, um, Biden is allowing the sanctions on Iran's uh, ballistic missile program to expire. So there were, you know, there used to be sanctions, uh, three-legged sanctions, th- sanctions on the missiles, thang- sanctions on the terror funding, and sanctions on the nuclear program. He's allowing that to expire. Um, it's very simple. Stop allying with Iran, Turkey, Qatar, which is the new axis of evil. Stop allying with them. Stop allowing them to fund subversion among American mosques and colleges. Stop the visas from these countries. Close the border. Ban Qatari lobbyists, who are probably the most uh, highest paid lobbyists around. Remove CENTCOM from Qatar and transfer it to UAE, which wants it. UAE actually demanded that all hostages be released. Do you know that last year, um, Biden granted Qatar this non-NATO essential ally status, which is the same level as Israel. Demand that they hand over the Hamas leadership. And it's that simple. Put America first. That's all it means. That is all it means. I'm sick of this false choice. And by the way, just again, like we talked about yesterday, uh, the proof Israel is not the new current thing, go online on social media in the ensuing days and weeks and months following the Ukraine-Russia war. And it was unanimity of opinion behind, I mean, if you said anything critical of Ukraine, you got zapped, zapped. The overwhelming majority of the sentiment is pro-Palestinian. 100% on the left. It's actually even stronger than it usually is because it's it's the left and a little bit of the fake right and the reactionary whatever, the retarded reactionary right that just doesn't think straight and can't shoot straight. But I, like like I predicted last week, the slaughter was not enough. It was a couple days of sympathy and that's it. It's over. It's all 100% now about the Gaza civilians. Not a word. Even, I mean, we, we have what? 30 Americans killed. At least a dozen held. The bigger thing is not you better release the hostages. No. Israel better not kill any civilians when 100% of Hamas's infrastructure is hidden. Not just among civilians, but in schools and hospitals and things like that. That is the Biden administration now. Utterly disgusting. It's everywhere. It's back to the same cycle from the last number of decades. Nothing has changed. I want you to understand that. How many Jews need to be slaughtered before 
there's pressure on this administration to change its policies. Again, I'm not saying we need to mollycoddle them or do anything that in any way jeopardizes America first. It's just the opposite. It works in concert. Stand up for morality. Stand up for right against wrong. Put America first. And that in itself will allow Israel to do what it needs to do on their own. That is the vision. Nothing more, nothing less. There's only one candidate giving that moral clarity. You know, kind of nestled in between this just false reactionary right and and this traditional kind of Mitch McConnell, Nikki Haley, Lindsey Graham nonsense. Utterly insane. And by, by the way, another thing. Remember with... How do you know something's the new current thing when every corporation feels the need to put out a sanctimonious statement? COVID, BLM was the Floyd was the ultimate, but with Ukraine also. How many big corporations have put out something on the greatest slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust in the most horrific way? I think it's quite obvious a lot more of them have put out stuff on the Gaza civilians, so to speak. That is the next current thing, baby. I mean, when you consider the horrific nature of this and how we still have people alive from the Holocaust, evidently a few of them were killed in, in those Israeli communities, you know, people in their 80s or 90s or whatever that were child survivors of the Holocaust, you know, despite all that, that was not enough. That is very telling. Very, very telling. So I want to get to our next guest, but uh, relatedly, Dove and Zest are the major soap companies, and they are awful. They support causes like uh, BLM and uh, the Rainbow Jihad, support a Christian homeschooling family, QPGoatSoap.com stands for Quinn Pittman. While other kids are getting uh, drugged up on nonsense, he is out there homeschooling, shooting and hunting, and making goat soap with his beloved goats. Um, it is the healthiest soap. It is it has the best feel on your body, especially for those that have dry skin. And with promo code Daniel, again at QPGoatSoap.com, promo code Daniel, get 10% off. They are now... Uh, starting very early for Christmas, $99 for their all four seasons, all seasons of soap, different scents for each season. Uh, that's easily supply enough to supply you for a full year of soap, shampoo, and it would make a great, very unique Christmas gift. Those of you that are looking for something new, which is often very hard every year, year in, year out, um, it, it smells great. It feels great. It's the healthiest soap, and it supports one of our very own families. Parallel economies again at QPGoatSoap.com. Promo code Daniel. So, folks, last week I must admit that even I was a little bit surprised when I saw for the first time the Biden admin sympathize with Israel and say, "Look, they got to do what they got to do," and there was no uh, equivocation and couching. Or qualifying that statement with the typical moniker of, oh, we got to make sure it's proportionate or the Palestinian, whatever. And I, I was hoping, I was just hoping that some sort of reservoir of humanity in their souls came out 
that what happened was so horrific in conjunction with simultaneously seeing all of the genocidal pro-Hamas people in our own country that maybe they had a holy crap moment. And maybe they're like, yeah, man, maybe maybe this uh, Iranian alliance is not a good idea. But of course, we can't have nice things. We have, and I want people to understand this. We have a pro-Iran, pro-Hamas government. Okay, that, that, this is the point. It's not a matter of, it's this sort of foreign policy angle or this sort of strategy. They ideologically support Iran and all of its interests. So, you know, we, we talked with Lee Smith earlier this week about the fact that obviously this didn't start with Biden. It started already a long time ago with Obama. Obviously, it was interrupted by the Trump administration and Biden's going back to it. This was an ideological shift. And they're not about to allow 1,400 dead Jews get in the way of that. That's clearly not enough, and I don't know if there would be any death toll that would be enough. And what they're doing now is they're sending aircraft carriers. They're talking about sending 2,000 troops. They're talking about sending them money. But then also, notice the Gaza operation hasn't commenced yet. Notice Israel turned on the water. Notice that they're now allowing trucks in, which, yeah, of course, uh, Hamas is going to give it out like Santa Claus to the people in need um, and not take it for their own soldiers and operations, the resources. And that assumes that there aren't weapons in those trucks, which you've got to be pretty credulous to think they aren't. And it's bizarre. They're not even calling, you know, demanding that Qatar hand over the Hamas dudes and demand that they all work together to, um, you know, release the hostages, including American hostages. They're not even demanding that some of these countries take in refugees. It's just really, really bizarre. Nothing has changed. Oh, and now Biden himself is on his way to Israel. And you know what happens if an American president is there. Well, that by definition delays it delays it. And what happens when you delay it? Two things happen. Number one, that gives Hamas more time operationally to prepare to booby trap uh, to, to make it hard for an infantry to come in. And number two, it ensures, because this has always been a PR war, ensures that there is more distance between the Israeli operation and the memory of the massacre so as that ebbs, we go back to 100% the old paradigm when it's all about the Palestinian civilians. And here we are again. So, you know, my agenda here is in the broader context. I'm seeing rumors that Jim Jordan, if he's speaker, will try to agree to some sort of Ukraine-Israel funding package. And my concern is that's the worst possible combination, both policy-wise and politically, for those of us who want to put America first, stand on the side of morality, allow Israel to be strong and do what they need to do, because what that's going to do is, first of all, tick off a lot of conservatives with Ukraine, a lot of conservatives to begin with are leery about sending more even to Israel, and then it actually doesn't do anything for Israel because we're literally stabbing Israel in the heart with one hand and then giving them some money with the other hand that we say they can't use. Or you could use it to bomb Gaza everywhere 
except the places where they have the rocket launchers. Which, if you wonder why uh, Hamas has been able to launch at least 6,500 rockets since Saturday, despite these supposed Israeli airstrikes, that's why. Because they put them exclusively in places they know Israel will not um, bomb, and, and part of that is the Biden administration's pressure. So there's a lot of 3D chess going on that doesn't fit the narrative that you're seeing. And in order to navigate all this, I want to bring on an expert that I've been meaning to bring on for a while. Uh, I followed his work, Kyle Scheidler, Director for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism at Center for Security Policy. He's also a Lincoln Fellow at Claremont, like a lot of our friends are. You could follow him on Twitter at Scheidler, K-S-H-I-D-E-L-E-R-K. Hey, Kyle, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Daniel. I wish it was under better circumstances. Yeah, th- this is pretty dark. I mean, I read Caroline Glick's piece yesterday, and it was a real gut punch because it affirmed my sneaking suspicion about the motivations of the Biden administration. I want to start first with the Wall Street Journal report about 2,000 Marines potentially being selected to go to go to Israel, to go to Lebanon. I, I mean, I'm not understanding it. What are the details? How much of this is real, and what would be the motivation? Well, I think you nailed it, Daniel, in the sense that it doesn't actually make any sense. It's not clear what their mission would actually be. Uh, and I think that's all deliberate. Uh, it's the same as these aircraft carriers that are now parked off the eastern Mediterranean. Who are they intended to intimidate? What are they expected to do exactly? Um it doesn't make any sense. It's not supposed to make sense. It's a overt gesture that's essentially meaningless, except to send the message that the U.S. is going to stick their nose in. They're not going to allow Israel to act uh, decisively. You know, if you look at the language that they used, they they made it sound like it's a threat to to Hezbollah mm-hmm. not to get in on the northern border of Israel. But that's not actually the case. It's really a threat to the Israelis saying, don't go into Lebanon. Don't take action against Hezbollah. We're here. We'll do that. But of course, everybody knows that they won't do that in the same way that there have been peacekeepers on the border of Lebanon for decades (laughs) who don't do anything to stop Hezbollah, and they never have. And so if you think about it in that context, suddenly it makes a lot more sense. These guys are not being sent there to help Israel. They're not being there to uh, sent there to fight terror. They're being sent there essentially uh, as human shields uh, yep. for terrorists to yep. hide behind. And, and, and it's really and it's a it's a coalition destroyer on the right, because those of us who want America first policies to focus really on protecting all of Western civilization against, you know, Islamic jihad and recognizing that Israel is a canary in the coal mine of Western civilization and that we need not, you know, mollycoddle them, just just undo the policies that are kneecapping them. You know, this makes it seem like, oh, this is another war for Israel. We're going to send American soldiers there. What the heck? And, and meanwhile, Israel doesn't want it. Nobody wants it. It's actually coming from the very administration that is so... Um, just has so much animosity towards Israel. So let's go through some of the ways that they're kneecapping Israel now. Am I correct to put together kind of that timeline you heard me talk about, turning back on the water, letting in the trucks, 
Biden, lo and behold, like I find that a little bit weird for an American president to fly into a war zone that has rockets landing basically between the north and the south every inch of Israel. What what's what's up with that? Yeah, I mean that's a really bizarre situation, and it only makes sense if, as you pointed out, the goal is to continue to delay uh, some kind of Israeli response. Uh, obviously, the Israelis are not going to start a ground war uh, while the president of the United States uh, is in the country. Uh, the fact is that uh, Ben Gurion Airport has come under repeated rocket attack, um, and it's it's been you know, challenged to get in supplies and uh, Israeli reservists. If we actually wanted to help Israel, we wouldn't be sending in U.S. Marines. What we would be doing is helping them uh, bring in aircraft full of Israeli reservists who are trying to get back home mm. from all around the world so that they can participate uh, in what they need to do. That would be a way to actually help Israel, uh, and it involves letting Israel do the things they need to do. Same situation in terms of this uh, supposed aid package that you mentioned that Jordan is considering, uh, Daniel. If we really wanted to help Israel, we wouldn't have drained the supply caches that we keep in Israel, which they have a right to draw down on upon uh, in accordance with treaty. Uh, but we drained all of those supply caches and we sent the arms to Ukraine. So now those supply caches are empty. So Israel doesn't have what they need in the face of this conflict. We don't have to send them extra money. We don't have to send them an additional check. What we needed to do was not handicap them to begin with. The way I look at this is, you know, there's sort of two situations where you have a guy holding your arms while another guy beats you up, right? The first is sort of that traditional mafia situation where the goon grabs your arms and the other guy sort of beats on you. And the other is the situation where your supposed friend uh, grabs your arms and holds you back uh, in before a fight starts so that you get sucker punched. And that <laughs> oh is my gosh, I literally saw a video. There was a video circulating online about this woman, this girlfriend that kind of did that to her boyfriend. Um, just kind of got in the way, and then he got knocked out. That's that's what Biden's doing. That's exactly what he's doing, and he's doing it on purpose. And he is, I think, um, or at least his administration, to the yeah. extent you can credit uh, Biden with anything. Um, <laughs> they, are, I think, they are deliberately trying to provoke fissures in the in in the uh, into the American right. Uh, that's the logic of, of forcing the uh, unifying Israel aid to Ukraine aid, right? That creates uh, discomfort on the right. Uh, they're doing these things deliberately. They're also uh, this uh, also bringing in the aircraft carrier and the U.S. Marines and all these big flashy stories is also designed to provoke the right, who uh, naturally is concerned about escalation. Sure. They are concerned about Americans being involved once again in the Middle East, right? And so the Biden administration is deliberately provoking that to disrupt the uh, to disrupt the conservative right's um, ability to re to respond to this conflict. It is, as you said, a propaganda conflict, Daniel, and they are they are playing it. Um, unfortunately, they're playing it pretty brilliantly. Now, one, one thing I never understood is typically when you have a government, a regime that controls an area and you're like, you know what? We're at war with you, but we want to send humanitarian aid to your citizens. Here are some trucks. D 
is there really anyone in the Biden administration that doesn't realize oh, what those trucks will go to supply? No, they they understand perfectly well that, you know, those trucks are going to be emptied of humanitarian supplies and filled with Hamas fighters and shipped off to the front or to do whatever they need to do. I mean, you had that video of Hamas that made the rounds this week uh, where they were showing literally digging up water pipes to turn into rockets that, that there are, you know, if you remember back to the Mavi Marmara situation with the with the flotilla that came into Gaza, you know, it was loaded with, you know, a handful of, of sacks of concrete, uh, which were supposed to be, you know, to help Gaza with infrastructure, but are actually for used for building terrorist tunnels. Right. Uh, we've seen the ability of Hamas to repurpose um this kind of aid time and time again. That's exactly how it'll be used this time. There is no way to prevent that. Hamas is the ruling power in Gaza. They are the police. They are the firefighters. They are the health ministry. They are the judges. They are literally the government of Gaza. And you cannot deal with Gaza without dealing with Hamas. The U.S. government knows that. The Biden administration recognized that when they made allowances to send aid to Gaza in uh, against what U.S. the U.S. Congress has has tried to establish in terms of uh, sanctions policy, there they, they they issued a waiver in order to send uh, humanitarian aid to Gaza, even though they admitted that they knew that some of it would go to terrorism, and they did that just months before this most recent attack. So yes, they absolutely know. Yeah, and, and, and I want people to understand, when you hear about all this aid, we are funding Hamas. We are funding it. And and also, you saw the PLO, which supposedly, uh, you know, runs the supposed um, misnamed West Bank of Jordan, because it's weird. It's not the West Bank of Jordan. Um, but anyway, they, they they pay the blood money to these terrorists. I mean, that's, that's the Palestinian Authority. That is not even Hamas. So we certainly fund those guys uh, a lot and, and the Europeans and the UN and all this stuff. So it's all going towards them. Um, obviously, that all goes to supply Hamas. Um, am I correct in my assertion that Biden's trying to buy time with, you know, to make it that it's just harder for Israel to do this? I think we have to understand that Hamas is an Iranian proxy. Hezbollah is an Iranian proxy. They are, they are acting in this conflict on behest of Tehran. We know that they have openly admitted to negotiating this attack almost a year in advance uh, between Iran and, Hez, uh, and Hamas and that the meeting took place in Beirut. They have said that. That's not speculation on our part. They admitted that. So what is the Biden administration's interest? The Biden administration will do anything they will do absolutely anything to preserve and expand their agreement with Iran and the Iran nuclear deal. They have shown that time and time again, and this is a part of that. They know that if Israel were to um, decimate Iran's proxies, Iran will go apoplectic, uh, and they do not want to see their Iran deal compromised. If you look at what they just did, and it just hit, it just hit the Twitter feeds uh, a couple hours ago, they have uh, ended sanctions on Iran's ballistic missile program mm. in the midst of all of this. 
Wow. And this is this is the person. This is the administration that is claiming that they are, uh, you know, a unreserved friend of Israel. No, they're an unreserved friend of Iran. They they have changed sides in the war on terror, as you pointed out in your monologue. Uh, they are on the side of Iran, they, which which makes them by default on the side of Hamas and Hezbollah. They can't say that openly, of course, but they engage in this back-channeling behavior. Uh, you might recall uh, the situation with um, Robert Malley, who was a Biden administration official who is currently suspended and had his security clearance revoked for reasons we don't quite know, but we suspect it has something to do with ties to Iran. Uh, he was previously jettisoned from the Obama campaign back in, in the day because he was back-channeling to Hamas and he got caught. And that's really Robert Malley's job. Robert Malley's job is to back channel to the worst regimes and terrorists in the world on behalf of Democrats. And when he gets caught, he gets fired for a while. And then, uh, you know, a few years later, he'll come <laughs> right back in and everybody will pretend it never happened. So that you're is, talking that about these documents. These documents showed that Malley helped to infiltrate this Iranian agent into um, some of the most sensitive government uh, par, uh, position. So there's this Ariana uh, uh, Tabarabai, um, who I, I believe she was first at the State Department for a while, but then she was serving as the chief of staff for the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations, Christopher Meyer, uh, who just testified before Congress. Could you talk a little bit about that, how Iran had their agent as, again, the chief of staff to the Assistant Secretary of Special Ops? Yeah, so this was, uh, according to reporting at Semaphore and Iran International, um, Robert Malley brought in this squad of people, uh, including the, the lady that you mentioned, um, and all of them are part of what the Iranian government called the Iran Experts Initiative. And these quote-unquote experts uh we have records and emails of them literally speaking with Iranian diplomats, with IRGC, talking about what they should and shouldn't say, uh, things they should and shouldn't write, um, including whether or not they should go on uh, diplomatic trips to Saudi Arabia and Israel. And they are asking the Iranians their opinions on all of these things. And when this hit the news, and, uh, you know, people started asking the Pentagon, what's going on over there? The Pentagon said, well, you know, we've got vetting and clearance procedures and they were all followed. Nothing to see here. Move along. I mean, it, it's from a counterintelligence perspective, completely mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Like, you can't not know someone's ties to Iran openly. And hey, let's let's make them the chief of staff to the guy in charge of special operations, you know, in the Pentagon is just I mean, it, it it's mind blowing. But it also demonstrates that, again, it's not misjudgment. It's not naivety. It is our government is an ally with Iran. And and I think this is what people need to understand. We're not talking about Lindsey Graham and the need for regime change or worry about what to do boots on the ground there. This is our own statecraft. And what, I, what I've what i always had difficulty with, and I think it's 
important we rip this scab off and finally have this discussion on the right. Look, I I never mm-hmm. felt comfortable with um you know automatic foreign aid and uh, you know to to any country and foreign agents and foreign lobbyists. I never liked that, and that includes even a country like Israel. I always you know felt uncomfortable with that, but. Part of the problem with that is that we have so many paid agents for Iran and Qatar and freaking funding Hamas front and back in Turkey. We fund all their enemies. So it's like, I mean, don't Republicans first need to just unite behind the proposition that all, I mean, all elements on the right should agree that all those policies need to go. That will limit the disagreement a lot more. Okay, if you get rid of all that, stop the Ukraine grift. All this stuff, no more boots on the ground stuff in the Middle East focused on our borders. All right, Israel's getting crushed with a two-front war. You know, do we want to give them some stuff that we know will actually go towards an achievable means, saving lives from a second holocaust? You know, all right, you want to. You're more of an absolutist. You don't want to. I I respect that. But isn't this the bigger context that we fund all of Israel's enemies? Yeah, and, you know, I have this argument with people on the right uh, all the time, uh, trying to get them to understand. They'll, they'll, you know, folks, especially on the alt right, they'll, they'll point to the to the three billion in uh, in U.S. aid that goes to Israel and say, oh, look, you know, the Israel controlling our our foreign policy. And I try to get them to understand that that aid is not aid that Israel needs or wants. In fact, there's a very cogent uh, right wing Israeli argument against it yes. because. It is used to handcuff Israel. They are hugged. That they are hugged them to death. That is used as golden handcuffs to restrain Israel, uh, to prevent them from attacking uh, terrorists who are their enemies and, frankly, are our enemies too, although we don't want to admit it. So, you know, I'm in agreement that we could actually end um, foreign aid in a responsible way that would actually free Israel up to do what it needs to do. Israel is a productive, modern, first world country. They have technology we like and need. We can do all kinds of agreements and work with them on things like Iron Dome because they have value to us uh, if we need to. So I'm not saying certainly that you would end um, all cooperation. That's absolutely not necessary. But what we should do is get get rid of these golden handcuffs and this policy of restraining Israel uh, by pretending to be their best friend. Wow. No, that's that's very well said. Pretending to be their best friend with golden handcuffs. That's exactly what has gone on for so many years. And I just I want to make sure Republicans don't fall into that trap where, you know, 95% of them obviously they're very pro-Israel. They're going to want to give money and then fall into Biden's trap there. It's it's more important to to fight his policies and expose them. <laughs> Um, could you talk a little bit about I, w- I didn't know about so I knew that that Tony Blinken, who, you know, I mean, wh- what a what a D bag. I mean, that guy claims to be Jewish and unbelievable uh, work to fund a color, color revolution from Israel's leftist opposition to undermine Netanyahu, which really, un- you know, unglued a lot of their intel and and defense and and i would argue had some sort of a hand in the breakdown of their security apparatus leading up to these attacks but i didn't realize that tony blinken just went there and met with this um how what's that group called that kind of uh antifa paramilitary group they now have 
against judicial reform, brothers in arms, brothers in arms, he met with them. Like, is that another kind of, hey, Netanyahu, you know, uh, your prime ministership, uh, you wouldn't want to lose it, right? Is that kind of a threat? I mean, I think it absolutely has to be a threat. I have said that I think the number one objective for the Biden administration is to preserve Iran uh, and their deal with Iran from this conflict. That's job number one for them. But job number two, objective number two, if they can pull it off, would be to overthrow Netanyahu and have him ousted. We know that they were moving money and left-wing groups were putting money into Israel in a big way uh, as part of this judicial reform fight um, that people don't really understand. But the, the, the Supreme Court in Israel has powers that would make your mind Blow. Just absolutely blow your mind, yeah. and that they use it. They use it in a way to preserve uh, the left wing in Israel, which cannot win an election. And so, what Netanyahu was trying to do was reform some of that so that the judicial system actually yep. reflected yep. Uh, the will yep. of the country. And what we saw was these left wing groups pouring money into Israel. You saw examples of um, like dressing up as handmaidens which is this nonsense tactic that we see uh, in the U.S. related to our own Supreme Court, but it makes absolutely zero sense. Yeah, but remember the Amy Barrett, um, the, the, when they were going to the, to the justices' homes, Kavanaugh Barrett, they would go to their homes dressed up like that, similar concept here. Right. It makes no sense in an Israeli context or, or that Israelis would do it, yep. but it shows up at all their protests. Why? Because it's something that American left-wingers dreamed up. And imported into Israel as part of this effort to to oust yes. uh, and, and, and I would say, Kyle, there are some utter low IQ buffoonish assholes that call themselves conservative or right wing that are lopping that up and siding with that. And like, oh, it was the Netanyahu government was trying to consolidate power, and then they created the attack to in order to like somehow consolidate. Like, uh, actually, no. It was the Biden administration and the American left and Soros types funding a left-wing subversion there that you would never support. And I don't know why you're supporting. And then obviously Israel in response to the attack gave out hundreds of thousands of weapons to their people. So, you know, the, the, the whole paradigm is off. But again, this is what happens when you have no leadership on the right. You have a pro-Hamas Democrat president on the left. And we're just screwed up all over the place. So he's turning. So basically what I see him doing is saying to Netanyahu, hey, look, you know, if you go and attack Gaza in a way we don't like, we're going to fund the opposition against you, number one. Also, do you see, number two, that Biden basically giving a carrot and stick kind of like, look, Israel, we know you can't handle a two front war. So we're best buds with with Iran, you know. You know, they're on speed dial here. And then the State Department, Pentagon, the White House, we love them. Jake Sullivan, I mean, big, big, uh, big Iran guy. So we'll tell the Iranians to stand down with Hezbollah in the north um, if you if you stand down with Gaza. You wouldn't want to have a two-front war, would you? Is, is that kind of the discussion you think is going on? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, essentially what I see happening. They're saying, well, you know, if you do what we want, then we can make sure that that Hezbollah doesn't come in on the north. Number one, they can't. 
ensure that at all. They have no ability to control that. Uh, two, if Hezbollah does come in in the north, they're not going to do anything about it. Um, and so it, it's it's a it's a nonsense claim, but it's absolutely what they're doing. It's this uh, you know nice. A uh, nice place you have here. It would be a shame if anything happened to it. Sort of diplomacy uh, that the Biden administration is is engaging in here. And I, look, I think part of it is, you know, they muscle and they abuse um, our allies because they can't do it to our enemies. They they are total pushovers to our enemies. <laughs> uh, but it's real hard to be an American ally because we are really rough on them. And the truth is, the American people support Israel because Israel takes care of itself by itself. They don't ask for a whole lot. The things they do ask for are pretty reasonable for the most part. Uh, and, you know, the American people saw in 1967 uh, the state of Israel defending itself from all of these Arab armies. And they thought, that's pretty cool. Uh, we're in favor of that. And, you know, you compare that to, you know, the, the fight over NATO, right, which was a big issue during Trump's era, where we have all these allies that don't meet their military requirements. They don't do the things that they're supposed to do according to treaty. And we end up carrying them. Um, and on the right, people, you know, naturally are opposed to that. If we're going to have allies, they should be good allies. They should be strong allies, not weak allies. But the, the American establishment doesn't want strong allies. They want weak allies that they can push around. And so you would think that people on the right would understand that we want an Israel that deals you know, with its problems by itself, that yep. doesn't rely on us for everything. Um, and in, if you want out of the Middle East, and this is the real, this is the real issue, right? If you want out of the Middle East, somebody there has to be in charge. And the options that you have are Israel or Iran. And the Biden administration picked Iran. Yep. No, no, exactly. And, and the Trump administration more or less picked Israel, but but moreover, obviously isolated Iran with, um, you know, all these other Sunni countries that that really came a long way, Jordan, Egypt and and Saudi Arabia, Arabia UAE. Uh, real briefly, could you give just a brief overview of Qatar? And, and, and where they're involved here, you know, Qatar is really a Sunni country, but somehow they seem to be the clearinghouse for Iran's terror groups and the funding. Where do they fit in and how big is their influence on our government? Yeah, it's it, Qatar is about the size of a postage stamp. I mean, there's they have no almost no native population. Uh, there's really no reason why they ought to be any kind of a powerhouse or that anybody ought to care what their opinion is at all, except they are very, very wealthy. And they do a very, very good job of playing the middleman, uh, playing the mediator, uh, being all things to all people. So they are home base to U.S. Central Command. They're also home base to Hamas and the Taliban uh, and every other scumbag terrorist group you can think of. Uh, and they say, you know, that's just how we are. You know, we're 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 mediators. We're friendly with everybody. And the U.S. buys this. They accept this. Uh, it's completely unacceptable. It it ought to be completely unacceptable. Uh, and they fund yet, a tremendous amount of subversion. 
Um, like the Brookings Institute puts out a bunch of stuff on conservative talkers like myself. They put out these things, you know, on the vaccine and this and that. I mean, isn't Brookings funded through Cutter? Yeah, I mean, there were there was evidence that Brookings was taking money from Cutter for a long time. Cutter, you know, had major major media operations here in the U.S. Uh, they even tried to stand up a, a, an operation targeting conservatives. It didn't go very well. Um, but they tried, and a lot of people were taking Qatari money. Uh, they move a lot of money to influence, um, you know, U.S. legislators as well. Uh, they moved a lot of money into South Carolina, for example. And uh, I think w- one of uh, Lindsey Graham's major aides uh, became a lobbyist to Qatar. Oh. And. And when uh, <laughs> when the Trump administration was looking hard at punishing Cutter for all of their backbiting and bad behavior, uh, you saw a a bipartisan effort to rein him in, yes. and they were successful yes. in that. If uh, if he had stood his ground and we had punished Cutter for for their uh, pro terrorist behavior uh, back then, we may not be in this situation right now. Uh, but the reality is that because of the way Qatar uh, operates and spreads influence, you have terrorists uh, like Hamas that get to sit in fancy five-star hotels and direct wars uh, and and know that they cannot be touched. Wow. Now, if I was the Israelis, I would change their opinion about that. Uh, I would think that would be probably the most important thing you could do. But it would absolutely send Washington uh, screaming bipartisan and, and and again this is what is so subversive about people like lindsey graham because they often become the face of of pro-israel or hawkishness or whatever and they're so subversive because again th- their answer to everything is send american troops everywhere send american money and weapons everywhere and it's, it's kind of like let let something stick give it to everyone it's like no actually nothing should ever go towards any terrorist, Islamo-fascist, anything that's anti-American, and be very circumspect, you know, as to what, what allies we do support and in what way. And you're going to solve a lot of a lot of problems. No different than domestic policy, where we fund stupid market interventions, and then we need programs to deal with the poverty we create because of it. Um, same thing. We got to move away from that. Uh, just to sew it up, it's been a very enlightening discussion. Again, you could follow uh, Kyle at at uh, Scheidler K on. Twitter. So, Kyle, you know, looking towards Israel's capabilities, obviously we saw in the Six-Day War they miraculously fight off a number of nation-state armies. You saw it again um, in, in, in the war six years, six years later. But, you know, over the years they seem to have been circling the drain, at least from what I could see. Now, definitely from the morale standpoint on the ground, like you said, you have diaspora coming in. Um, they have, I'm hearing, more reservists that want to sign up than they could even logistically deal with. So they actually have manpower and they have resolve, which is something that, you know, resolve is certainly all Western militaries have been lacking recently. Uh, that kind of that, you know, American, um, you know, Omaha Beach landing resolve or Israel's 1967 resolve. But my concern is at a leadership level and at a training level. They have artillery, they have air assets. Do they really have the infantry that could fight a two-front war? 
they were almost certainly wish to do everything in their power to prevent a two front war if they can. That may require uh, holding one of the borders and playing defense on one border while playing offense on the other border uh, and trying to resolve one as quickly as possible before they go into the other, uh, if it goes that direction. Um, they ultimately, I think, will do what they have to do. As you said, the resolve is there from the grassroots and from the bottom up. Look, they have a they have an ossified national security bureaucracy the same way uh, that we do in the United States. You know, the IDF has their own Mark Millies out there. Um, unfortunately, that is a reality. I think actually, probably the political will is stronger than the establishment national security will mm. right now. So uh, it really is a case where you need a, a political leadership, a sort of Abraham Lincoln style leadership to say, uh, we are going to do what we have to do. And I will cycle through generals and I will cycle through national security staff until I find somebody who will win a war for me. Um, it's just, uh, you know, the sad nature of bureaucracies everywhere in the Western world uh, that they're, you know, reluctant to be aggressive. They're reluctant to um, do what is necessary. They, you know, the, the classic Israeli expression that the Israeli defense establishment got comfortable with was mow the grass. Yeah. We're just going to keep up appearances. We're going to keep everything down to the level of a low roar. And that's going to be good enough for us. And that needs to be unacceptable to the Israeli political, um, uh, you know, elites at this point. They need to say no from uh, the Israeli national security establishment. What I want from you is a plan to reset the strategic uh, the strategic nature of the situation. It is completely untenable that we have Hamas and Hezbollah in the situations that we have them. Uh, something has to change and it has to change in a major way that will let everybody know that the Israel of 1967 is back. Hmm. Uh, and that's the one thing that they could do that would win them American support uh, from our grassroots, uh, from our people. It's the one thing that their enemies would respect. And they're the Sunni allies who are now looking at them wavering and expressing concern uh, that they would respect. Uh, so if Israel does not find the political will to do that, uh, they could be in trouble. I think they can find it um, if we in America can keep the Biden administration off their back Long enough Keep to do them it. off their back. That that is the catchphrase here. You need not focus on them. We have so many issues here. We want to focus at home. Um, that is simple. That is America first. At the same time, pro Israel. At the same time, a minimalist approach in the Middle East. They actually work together. When you understand it, Kyle. Thank you so much for guiding us through this. Um, do you have any articles or places where you write at that people 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 could find your work? Sure. I had a recent article on this topic uh, at The Federalist, uh, which I'd encourage people to check out. They can also go to the Center for Security Policy website and find all my work. Uh, it's just securefreedom.org. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll definitely have you back. And thank you all for joining us today. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. God bless you all. And thank you.